Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Brian Geisinger in 60 minutes on the NBA playoffs. Did you know Sunday night at 11.59 p.m. is the deadline for you or someone you love to announce early entry into this year's NBA draft? Our next guest has done some fascinating research on a lot of things in college basketball and even beyond that in the broader basketball world. His latest article is on one and dones and it is entitled in part the argument of the one and done draft rule is an avalanche of lies we hear that these guys are less interested in and less invested in education we hear that it's bad for college basketball when these four duke guys stay only one year in a blue devil's uniform we hear that it's un-american we even hear a myth that we love to squash here that these guys are forced to go to college. We might skip that one with Mike because we pound that drum so frequently ourselves. He is a Hall of Famer from the Sporting News. Find his work at SportingNews.com. Mike DeCourcy, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm well, David. How are you? I am doing really, really well. I am carrying your torch when it comes to the fraudulent statement that high school stars are forced to go to college under the current rules. My, my audience might be tired of me pounding that drum. So let's start you elsewhere. What is your most prominent lie that you exposed with your most recent research? Well, you know, that, um, that piece uh, I, I, I did actually a while ago. Um, so the piece that I, that I, that I most recent research, uh, the one that I um, the one that I published yesterday, um, was about the success rate of the one and done, and that's the one that uh, you know that basically says that everybody who tells you that they're not successful is working from a false narrative. That you know, because you know Duke didn't win the championship this year, that means it does quote it doesn't work, and a veteran team did. And what people forget is, you know, I, I, I went over this. I tried to, you know, I, tr I explained it in the column, but, you know, people are like, well, eight, seven of the past nine champions were veteran-based teams and only two were one-and-done teams. So that's, you know, that's almost 80% or whatever. And, I, you're, yeah, but you're not understanding. There's only, you know, there have only ever really been about 10 teams that were freshman-based. Right. At this level. And there have been about, I don't know, even if you just take the top five seeds in the tournament um, each year in that period, there's about 170. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you're not even talking about close to the same sample size. On the one hand, you have basically a 20% championship rate. On the other hand, it's about 2.9%. Uh, and, and that's just choosing from the top five seeds. So you're not having nearly the same success with veteran-based teams that Duke and, and Kentucky are with elite freshmen. So, you know, I, and the argument gets, becomes very circular because if you say, well, Duke won in 2015 with elite freshmen, they, they, the response becomes, yeah, but they wouldn't have won without Quinn Cook. Well, that's correct because you need, first of all, to have five players. <laughs> I mean, they only had three one and done. And, you know, there's never been a team of recruited five, you know, that where you had five one and dones recruited. That's never happened. So, how, so it's impossible 
to win with five one and dones because no one ever has five one and dones. So it it, it becomes like I said, it becomes a circular argument every time you cite. You know, Kentucky 2012, you get Darius Miller back. Right. Well, Darius Miller was a nice player. But if you could have found me a freshman to average, you know, to, to be a good wing player and average eight, nine points a game, um, they could very easily have filled in for Darius Miller. It's just, you know, like, like I said, it's virtually impossible to compose a team that looks like that. Mike DeCorsi is joining us from the Sporting News. You can find that older article that he has pinned to the top of his Twitter handle, at TSN Mike. Find the newer one just a little bit below it as well. He is joining us heading into NBA draft early entry deadline weekend. Have you had a chance to glance at the latest numbers? Because you know what many fans often say when they see not just freshmen but other early entry numbers. There are only 60 slots and what, we have at least 60 early entries who have signed with agents, and when you count the guys who haven't signed yet, isn't it close to 200 at this point just this it's year? It's over 200. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you count the, both, both categories, it's well over 200. And, you know, goodness, we only have, what, 4,500 players in Division One, and um, roughly, I mean, probably not quite, a fourth of those are seniors. Um, so at this point, we now have something like 1,500 draft-eligible players. And this is where my buddy Dave Tellup and your old pal right, Dave Tellup right. really got to go to work, doesn't he? Because now he's not just evaluating, you know, uh, 200 guys. He's, averaging, he's evaluating 1,500. So he's earning <laughs> his money this month. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a real challenge uh, for the NBA teams to have to sort through all of that. And they do a great job with trying to give everybody a fair grade and a fair understanding of what they do. And obviously the, you know, the uh, combine invite list, I'm not exactly sure how many players they invite these days to that. I'm sure it's around 60. Um, that, you know, that, once you get that word, then you'll have a really good handle on on what's out there for you if you're one of the players who has the option to return. Jeff Capel, whom you know well, now at Pitt, former Mike Krzyzewski assistant for a long time, was on the show recently. And we, of course, asked him about the one-and-done phenomenon and uh, his response to the whole, you know, wouldn't it be ideal to have the mix at Kentucky with the veteran Darius Miller, among others, at Duke with the veteran Quinn Cook, among others. And Coach Capel's response was like, well, duh, you know, we're not always trying to have these teams built entirely around freshmen. At the top programs, you can't always get the, the guys who play less to stay long enough to be juniors and seniors. So it's not like John Calipari and Mike Krzyzewski in their dream world want you know, four freshman starters every year in the starting lineup. Uh, and in this case, Coach K is going to go from one team like that, probably following up next year with a similar team like that. Like, they know the grand plan, right? It's just a lot harder to execute the grand plan with the mix of NBA talent freshmen and quality sophomores, juniors, and seniors, right? Yeah, I mean, it's and, and one of the things that makes it very difficult is when you have players who come in and to just do okay and still go. Like a Frank Jackson. I mean, he didn't have a great freshman year. Right. Um, you know, he left a lot on the table. And I'm, you know, I don't know whether in the long run it was the right thing. And it's really hard to judge because he was injured for most of this year. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know in what circumstance he got injured, 
Therefore, whether or not he'd have been in that circumstance if uh, if he had played at Duke this year, it's impossible to know. Um, but uh, that you know that kind of player it leaves school sometimes, and and there's not much you can do about it. it, it people look at Villanova and think there's some kind of magic there. Well, here's the magic: they recruited the player who became the best point guard of the last 10 years in Jalen Brunson. And Jalen happened to have a, a, a father who was a previous NBA player. Uh, and so maybe not as much uh, need uh, for, for his son uh, to get into the league quickly as some other families do. And so he was able to stay three years and he was able to put himself on a track to graduate in three years, knowing that was the goal, to, to play three years, graduate in three years, and then go to the NBA. So if you can duplicate that, by all means do that. I mean, it's, it's, people act like this stuff is easy. Uh, it, you know, it, it, was a, it was a really uh, unique set of circumstances, the set of circumstances that Carolina found itself in. Ask Roy Williams if he wants to relive 2012 to 2015. I mean, because that's why they ended up with the players they did. And they turned out to be wonderful representatives of the university uh, and wonderful team players and, and, and champions. But some of the guys that they recruited in that period, they might not have. And some of the guys that might have been Tar Heels did not become Tar Heels because of the investigation and the, and the negative publicity around it. So, you know, people that think that there's a magic, magic formula out there because of the situation Carolina was in recently or the situation uh, that Villanova was in this year, it's ludicrous. I mean, Carolina is now back in the game, so to speak, of recruiting elite players. And are they bringing in an elite player next year? I believe they are. Yeah. Mike DeCorsi is joining us. Follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Find his articles at SportingNews.com. You threw us and have for years that great tidbit about last team to win an NCAA title without a future first-round draft pick was that 1987 Indiana team. And there are other stats about how unusual it is to win an NCAA title without having a McDonald's prep All-American on your roster at the time that you win it all. Uh, I did a little research beyond that, and I want to get your feedback on these numbers. Well, this sounds like fun. It is. I, I, I might just email you this. I, I was – you were – I'm not kidding. You were the inspiration for this research that I did. I, I mean that sincerely because I, I just love the way you tackle these things in such an intelligent way. I reframed it rather than first-round pick to top 30 pick, okay? So, like, Steve Alford from your Indiana team example would be top 30, just the NBA was smaller back then. So I just thought, well, doesn't it make more sense? You need a top 30 talent to win it all. And I kid you not, I went back to the 1940s and couldn't find a team that wow. won that won it all without a top thirty pick. And how about these averages? These these averages are only to the 1980s, Mike. You need an average of three first round NBA picks to win an NCAA title. You need an average of five future NBA players on your roster at the time you win it all. And you wow. and the average of future pros, counting just making any money anywhere in the world, was nine. Wow. Now that, that I mean, that, that, I, I, I salute you on the, especially the last item that you would research. Yeah, that, that hurt. That one hurt. Uh, that's that's amazing. Um, but I, I would not have thought five future pros. Uh, the average. I mean, that that's that's, that's really counting cups of coffee to that's... me. 
But, I mean, it, it's, it tells you a lot about how much talent you do need, you know, in order to win it. And when teams look at, you know, and people, you know, people miss this every year, Dave. I mean, when you look at um, Virginia, do they have – I mean, they have future NBA players on their team, there's no doubt. But do they have five? I mean, that's no. – five's a lot. And, yeah, and, but they look at that, and they, and they see their success in the regular season. And then, when, you know, and then they pick them to win it all. And then when they don't, they're like, how could you not? Well, I mean, there's your reason right there. I mean, there are not five future NBA players on that Virginia team, not this one. Uh, may, they they maybe have had teams in the past that were that were there or close, uh, but uh, you know it's 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 hard to do it without that level of ability. As you follow the Adam Silver led NBA conversation about what the future is going to look like at some point, he he is not a fan of the current system. Are you a believer with the Players Association in its role, and of course the NCAA is only you know barely a voice in the room. Uh, and the owners have in their role. Are you a believer that there is any likelihood that we could get a baseball-like, you know, straight to the, straight out of high school or a, sort of a hybrid, you know, you're not eligible for two years if you don't come in basketball straight out of high school? Do you believe that's a likelihood in the near future? I wouldn't say a likelihood. I don't know why the Players Association would agree to that. I don't see where where they get anything out of that. And and I don't see you know, and honestly, if they if if Adam Silver does that, I mean, then he's been snoozing through the last 12 years of NBA basketball. I mean, the 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 reality is that the one and done rule has been great for them. It's been tremendous. Uh their their league has grown in terms of performance and popularity. Uh, and obviously, and incredibly, in terms of value and revenue. I mean, the, the, I, I pointed out in that in that piece, in one, or one of my, I've done multiple yes. recent pieces about one and done. Um, and one of the pieces I pointed out, this was the one. It, it was titled "Stern Warning," uh, which was, you know. Uh, that he should pay attention to what's gone on with the league since one and done went in what the Knicks were worth in 2006 before one and done became the rule they were worth 590 million dollars they're now worth 3.3 billion <laughs> that is not a coincidence when players when, when the league is dominated by players like Anthony Davis and John Wall and uh, and Carl Towns and it, it, there were 11 all-stars at this year's game out of 28 selected there a lot because extra players because of injuries and such 28 all-stars named this year 11 of the more former one and dons now they have been unbelievably successful competitively and they have been well promoted by the college game you knew who anthony yep. davis was when he got to new orleans you knew who john wall was when he got to washington that was not the case when Darius Miles was selected number three overall in 2000, I remember I, I, I tell this story sometimes. I was at the NBA draft that year uh, because uh, Kenyon Martin, when I was covering Cincinnati for the Cincinnati Inquirer, Kenyon Martin was going to be the number one overall pick. So I remember I was walking down the hallway behind Darius Miles on the way to the interview area uh, where we, you know they do the pre-draft interviews for the media, and I said to myself. I think I'm one of about 1,500 people in America that's seen Darius Miles play. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, when when Anthony Davis went to the Pelicans, uh, 20 million people had seen him play. That's better for the NBA. 
selfishly as an NBA owner or scout as well, I feel like I would make fewer mistakes after watching a guy play at a high level of college competition for one year than trying to guess how good he'll be because I've seen him in some high school all-star games. For that stern warning story, I talked to four NBA scouts, all anonymously, obviously, because of the rules against uh, commenting on players and this and that. Um, I talked to four NBA scouts, and they all said that the rule is much better for them because they can evaluate players uh, at, the, at, at a higher level. They're not evaluating uh, Marvin Bagley playing for a high school in, in Cal- Southern California. They're evaluating him against the best non-pros in the, in the world. And so that's, you know, that's a much better circumstance for them. There's no, there's no way that Adam Silver can justify this other than there's a few people who don't like it uh, who operate at the college level. I mean, so what? Uh, you know, the, the, it's about time those people realize the facts of the situation, that it's better for them, it's better for basketball. I'll tell you this, Dave, what really always has bothered me about this, Mark Emmer took over for Miles Brand after Miles unfortunately passed away. Miles, when, when Miles was active and as the president of the NCAA, he always said, look, this rule's great, because kids who are in ninth or 10th grade uh, and they want the best route to go to the NBA – they keep going to class and they keep working toward getting graduating high school and then they you know and they most often come and play in NCAA basketball so it's good for them and Mark Emmert just has completely dismissed that as a motivation doesn't seem to care at all but you can't tell me it's not better that a 10th grader who maybe doesn't understand his place in basketball hierarchy yeah. in talent wise or maybe he does but either way he still is, you know, he, he's still more often than not going to finish high school and going to take high school reasonably seriously so that he can play at Kentucky or Duke or Carolina or wherever. Whereas, you know, if you put the rule back in where guys can go directly out of high school, they can, they can basically drop out when they're sophomores in high school. I mean, is that a better situation? I, I just can't see how – I cannot see how Emmert does not acknowledge that reality. His name is Mike DeCourcy. He is a Hall of Famer for the Sporting News. Check out the old article, the new article, and all of those in between, sportingnews.com. He really has wrapped his brain around this particular topic as well as anyone I've ever encountered. On Twitter, he is at TSN Mike. Thanks for the time, man. Keep up the good work. All right, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. You got it. NBA draft early deadline is this Sunday night. If you haven't read his original article, he when he hears – that one-and-dones are less interested in education. He calls that a lie. When he hears, as we have pounded this drum, players are forced to go to college. That is a lie. We talk about the G League option, the overseas option. No, you don't have to go to college for a year. There are other viable options even under the current system and previous systems. When he hears one-and-done is bad for college basketball, you better buckle up because he calls that a big fat lie. When he hears that the age limit is un-American, he believes that's a lie, and then he elaborates on why. And when you say you no longer get to know college players because they're only on campus for a year, he sees that as a lie. Check out his Twitter handle, at TSN Mike. His sort of be-all, all-encompassing article on the one-and-done concept. An avalanche of lies, as he described it. That's pinned at the top. The more recent stuff, of course, trickles below.